This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. <laughs> Hello. Oh. <laughs> Spooky season episode two. I'm so excited. I know you said yours is really scary. It's really scary. It's really Mine's scary. just unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you know what happened today? So I'm talking to your sister. I Hold look on. out. Hold on. My doorknob just moved. <laughs> I'm already freaking myself. Hello? Okay. <laughs> it was a dog trying to get in. <laughs> it 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 was a dog. <laughs> it it was a dog. God. Okay, oh. okay, okay. So you were on the phone with Katie. You were on the phone with I my was, sister. And... and I looked outside the back. And I'm not exaggerating. Oh, there are God. hundreds, hundreds of blackbirds or crows. I think there were blackbirds in my backyard. You know, in it's the coming. Trees. You, you know, it's coming. Blackbirds singing in the dead of night. Okay. Sorry. I'm I hear that and I have to. <laughs> I'm thinking of Alfred Hitchcock, but you know. The birds. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. Is they it like covered... crow season or something? Because they are everywhere, even here. I think these are blackbirds, not crows. They're smaller. They covered oh. my yard. They Ew. were in the trees. They were in the boughs. They were on the grass. I mean, I'm talking literally hundreds of these blackbirds. So it looked just like the birds, exactly like the birds, except I think those were crows. But anyway, like so I'm like a bad omen of some kind. Like, <laughs> like Katie, I, I have to hang up because I'm going to make a video of this. So I did like they did in the Alfred Hitchcock movie. They opened the door real slowly and they slowly walked out. I had my video recorder thingy going and I slowly went out and I walked around the yard amongst. You did? And all you heard, all you heard, and I'll play the video for you, but you can't really, my camera must not be good because you couldn't really see but is it you the camera or it. is it user error? Probably mine, but you could you could hear hundreds of blackbirds surrounding you, the sound of them. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> okay, so if you're watching on YouTube, I'll put mom's artistic video here. Just listen to it. Don't don't try to find a blackbird because you probably won't see them. They're all in the in the trees. And oh, my gosh, it was so fascinating. Uh, cool story. Cool story. Terrifying. Thank you. Terrifying. <laughs> I remember being young and you introducing me to the birds and that being like one of your favorite scary movies or something. I I, I just love whatever I whatever I whenever I think of the birds, I think of you. So 
there must be <laughs> something <laughs> something uh i have a little a little fun story or just something to share uh look what my mother-in-law got me it's a it's a towel <laughs> that's darling <laughs> it's a kitchen towel uh, it says cereal killer and it's a little bowl of cereal a little pumpkin bowl of cereal <laughs> she says i saw this in the store and i thought of you <laughs> well oh okay so mom halloween mm-hmm. episode number two it is we are in the midst 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 <laughs> uh in the middle of spooky season there you go it is upon us well i've got the true crime you have paranormal you also have the drink yes i do i am drinking a poison apple cocktail and what's really fun about this cocktail is that it's glittery <laughs> But then I really wanted to use my new glass. So if you're watching on YouTube, you really can't see that it's glittery. I wish I could like show you, but there is glitter. I bought glitter for my cocktail, but this glass was just too cool. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So this is poison apple cocktail. It is delicious. This is a third cup of apple cider, a third cup of cranberry juice. Oh, it's healthy for you. Sure, 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 sure. Because then you add in two ounces of fireball. Oh, that totally says one ounce. I almost said 10 ounces. It's one (laughs) ounce of grenadine (laughs) and a fourth teaspoon or just a little whatever you want to sprinkle on there of your gold glitter. I got mine on Amazon. I can link it if you guys want to know. It's awesome. So it's edible glitter? Yes, it's cocktail glitter. It's for cocktails. Oh, that's cool. My my drink is very sparkly. I'm going to put this in another glass and take a picture of it for social. Please do. Social media. We are so not getting the effect of the sparkles. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, you're just getting the effect of this really cool glass that still has a that's... price tag on the bottom. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, are you planning on returning it or what? No. I got this at the at-home store for $4.99. <laughs> Cheers. This is delicious. I bet it is. Apple, cinnamony. Oh, it's perfect for fall. I'm wondering if this would be even good, like warmed. Eh, maybe not. It might um, be. It might be good warmed. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like, well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that weather will be nice and chilly for Halloween, but pour yourself a little to go cup cocktail to go trick or treating, you know? But right I now, don't it think is it's 90, going to be chilly. <laughs> right now it's 90 degrees. I mean, not right now, we're at nighttime, but it, during the day it's 90 degrees. I mean, I love the heat. I love summer, but I know that fall is right around the corner. So I'm like, okay, just do it. Just it is fall. <laughs> we are in the season of fall. So take a hint weather and summer move on out. See you next year. And uh, that is your weather with Beth and Bettina. Now for the true crime. <laughs> we always talk about the weather. <laughs> People like talk about the weather and they have nothing else to talk about. But we have plenty to talk about. <laughs> let me tell you. Another at-home purchase I just have to share. If you guys have an at-home near you. What is this? Candle. Like that, that thing that you watch. The, the, the this is TV like a QVC. Yeah. 
like QVC. Uh, this is not an ad, but this is a pumpkin spice latte. It literally looks like a pumpkin spice latte. It's not. It's a candle. <laughs> and it smells amazing. <laughs> and it can be yours for the cost of $12.99. The low, low cost of $12.99. And Obviously, that is the commercial I ad. <laughs> I've had home stores sponsoring us tonight. <laughs> Towel is not for sale. Don't know the cost. Sorry. <laughs> Don't know where it came from, but. <laughs> Find yourself a mother-in-law that buys you fun things. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Are you Enough ready? Enough of that. I am ready. Okay. I chose... This really wackadoodle story. It does not take place in the United States, takes place in England, and it takes place in the 1800s. So, you know, totally off base here. But the subject. We don't have a timeline to our podcast. We're good. Well, that's true. The subject's birthday was October 31st. Oh. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that until I started researching and, and i was like oh so cool her birthday's in october 31st halloween all right cool that would be a really fun birthday to have well i don't want to be anything like this woman okay marianne cotton marianne mowbray marianne ward marianne robinson one person started off as marianne robson not robison but robson she was born, as I said, on October 31st, 1832, in Low Morsley, Durham County, England. Okay. Now, do you have a paper and pencil? Because the story, like I said, is wacky. And all right, all it would have right, been easier for me just to do a timeline, but that would have been kind of boring. So she and her brother, Robert, her hold mother on, and father, moved, oh, this stuff you don't have to write down, uh, moved to Durham, where her father got a job as a coal miner. Life as a coal mining family was far from easy. Hard, dirty work, not much pay. Living conditions were hard. Very little, if any, education. Uh, not quite slum conditions, but just one small little step up. And things got worse when Marianne's father fell to his death down a coal oh. shaft. And he's the provider, so, like, so that's really mm -hmm. stinky yeah like 150 stories or something it was like a really long fall marianne's oh. mother married the next year to a man named george stout who marianne did not get along with she left the house at age 16 to train as a nurse and then she moved back like three years later and she trained as a dressmaker okay so at least she's oh. getting something so she can make her own way in the world the following year, 1852, Mary Ann married William Mowbray, with whom she had eight or nine children. Many of these children died. It's hard to yeah. say exactly how, because, and it's hard to say how many actually died because of the lack at that time of birth certificates and death certificates. And we had sure. talked about that before. Mary Ann and William moved to Hendon, Durham County. Margaret Jane was born in 1856, and in 1858, Isabella was born. Two years later, Margaret Jane died of gastric fever. In 1861, Margaret Jane II was born, 
guess they didn't oh. have. No, we've seen they, that a lot in a lot of our, and a the lot older, of my research, I've seen that. In the yeah. older times, yeah. In the older times, yeah. In the older times. And then, in, so finally, a son was born to them. And during that time frame, somewhere in there, the husband, William, took out a life insurance policy on himself and his kids. Probably okay. a really bad idea to do because a year after he was born, the baby, William, died of gastric fever. And a year after that, William Mowbray died of intestinal disorder. Okay. Uh, what's gastric fever? Gastric fever is like a intestinal flu. Okay. Now, remember, these days, medicine wasn't the greatest, and they lived in not high standards. And so many children actually died during this time. Yeah. I just was, I didn't know that gastric fever. Right. I looked it up because I didn't know either, but it's an intestinal flu. So okay. Old fashioned. <laughs> the drink <right>. she's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Not the disease. I mean, the disease could be too. I don't know. Maybe it has a different name now. Old-fashioned intestinal flu. <laughs> All right. So now Mary Ann and her two daughters and the insurance money moved to Seaham. Within a few months, Margaret Jane II died of typhoid fever. Some sources, though, say it was gastric fever. So <laughs> okay. not knowing what else to do, Margaret Ann... Marianne, not Margaret Ann, Marianne <laughs> sent Isabella to live with her mother. Okay, so Isabella's safe for a little while. But okay. that's her only child at this yes, point. Yes, her only child. Out of all those children, this is now her only child. So she had eight kids and now she's down to one. She had eight or nine kids. Yes. Oh Again, we don't gosh. know for sure. Could have been even more. We don't know for sure because of the situation with the birth certificates. Marianne started working as a hospital nurse and there met a patient, George Ward, in the ward. <laughs> uh, the two were married. It's mere a mom months. joke. It's not a dad <laughs> not joke. Not a dad it's joke. A, a mom it's a, joke. <laughs> a mom joke on this podcast. Oh, mother. The two were married mere months after they met. But poor George died a year later. Uh, George, and- wait. Uh, George. We haven't had a George in a while. And we don't have him for very long, apparently, because he's dying now. Okay. Nope. He's dying. (laughs) A year later, he died from intestinal problems. And yes, Marianne collected money from his insurance policy. They did not have any children. A month after his death, Marianne was hired as a housekeeper by James Robinson, a widower with five children. Oh, no. It's reported that just weeks after starting her job, one of the Robinson children died of gastric fever. A year later, Marianne, pregnant with Robinson's child, they're not married yet, (laughs) pregnant with Robinson's child, went to nurse her ailing mother. Okay, so she moved away for a while just to nurse her mother, but she didn't have to stay long because... Her, her mother mom died, died of gastric. Or well, we don't know what she died of, oh. but her mother died a week after Marianne came. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we don't know what she died of, but it could very well have been gastric fever or some intestinal problem. Gastric Remember, fever. Marianne's mother had Isabella, the little girl, but now Marianne and her daughter returned to the Robinson household. This would have been around April 1867. In May, a month later, 
Isabella and two of the Robinson children died from some sort of abdominal illness. Okay, so she's obviously poisoning all these people. In August of that year, Marianne married Robinson, and they have two children. Margaret Isabella, who died a year later, and George. So if I have this right, only two of Robinson's children are still alive, plus baby George. Oh, my gosh. In 1869, Robinson started growing suspicious of Marianne because she kept nagging him about getting a life insurance policy on himself and the children. And he kept saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know why you need that. I'm not going to do that. So he kept refusing. And then he discovered that she was stealing from him. Now, he was he was not super wealthy, but he was pretty well off. And I don't know why she's stealing from the man, but he caught her stealing, threw her out of the house. So now she's on the streets. He kept baby George. Oh, okay. Well, that's so now good. she's on the street just for a few months until a friend of hers, Margaret Cotton, introduced her to Margaret's brother, Frederick. Okay. Ooh. He was a widower. I need like, like chess pieces or something. Okay. I know. I'm telling you. He was a widower with, I believe, three children. That same year, Margaret, so Frederick's sister, that introduced Marianne to him. She Done. okay. and Frederick's youngest child died of gastric fever. Okay. This would we have been went eight- from, I went from never hearing the word gastric fever in my life to being sick of hearing it (laughs) i've literally heard it like 40 times (laughs) okay this was 1870 now marianne is once again pregnant now with frederick's child and the two got married but remember she's still married married. she's She's still still married. married to robinson very good you are following along who tossed her out There's no divorce, okay? He just tossed her out of the household. Baby Robert Cotton was born in February of 1871. By the end of that year, Frederick, Frederick Jr., and Robert have all died from gastric fever. And Marianne walked away with the insurance money. Okay, if you're not confused yet, this next part will tilt your world a little bit. Two months after Frederick's death, Mary Ann hooked up with her former lover, Joseph Natrus. Now, I haven't mentioned him before, but he was. was she, say, that's a name I would have remembered for sure. <laughs> she was messing around with him early on, but he had a wife. Now he doesn't have a wife and they start. Did to she die him. of gastric fever as well? No, no. Oh. They, they had moved away and now he's back in the city by himself. They started messing around again. She finds herself pregnant again, but mm-hmm. not from Joseph. From another man, John Quick Manning. Okay. Mom, I've given up. <laughs> Natris died in May of that year. And in 1872, he left all he owned, not much, to Marianne. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, she told a local official that the reason she could not marry Quick Manning was not because she was already married, but because of her seven-year-old stepson, Charles Edward Cotton. So... When Cotton had died, remember Frederick? Sure. (laughs) Frederick had three children. Right. Okay. Two of his children and the child they had together and him all died of gastric fever. So she had the seven-year-old with her, Frederick Jr. Oh, she still has this baby. Okay. And he's seven years old. And she told this official, I'm sorry, it wasn't Frederick Jr. It was Charles Edward. 
She tells this <laughs> official, but I won't be troubled long. And she wasn't wrong. Charles Edward was dead a few weeks later. Oh my gosh. This aroused suspicion and the official notified the police. An autopsy was performed on the seven-year-old's body and arsenic was discovered in his stomach. Natris and two other cotton children's bodies were exhumed and all were determined to have died from arsenic poisoning. Wow, they exhumed bodies then? And they did autopsies then. Yeah, and, had, and how do you determine and have arsenic? the tests and have the tests to do it? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, arsenic poisoning your hair follicles. Uh, you can tell by your hair follicles uh, if really? you've been poisoned by arsenic. Yeah, because it's a slow poisoning. And so mm -hmm. it affects your follicles. I don't remember how. Either it's a color or the how they look under the microscope or something. But there's different mm. ways in the body that you can tell, of course, the organs also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Marianne was arrested, but her trial would have to wait because she was pregnant She's again. Pregnant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Saw that coming. Margaret Edith was born in jail in January 1873. She was reportedly Mary Ann's 13th child. Now, I think mm, that doesn't add up. Nope. I think it was more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you throw you threw a lot of numbers and names at me, but that doesn't add up. <laughs> to me, it's like 16th child. The trial, be <laughs> the trial 40. began 40. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the number you've heard gastric. That's just the number in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> The trial began two months later on March 5th. Her defense argued that Marianne was innocent and the arsenic found in the bodies was from inhaling the dust from wallpaper dye. Okay, now mm. this was not mm. as weird as it sounds because in those days, arsenic was in almost everything, including wallpaper. But the amount, the amount that you could inhale would not have killed you. Otherwise, everybody would be dying of arsenic well, poisoning. Well, sure. What is that that they say? Asbestos? I can never say that word. Asbestos, yeah. That's also in like older homes now, like when you mm -hmm. buy, because it's in like, it's right? in the It's in the walls, Wood, right? The walls, yeah. Yeah. And I, then that, does that have arsenic in it? Or just asbestos, know. which is not good for you? Bad. Okay. I just know it's bad. <laughs> That's okay, all the prosecution pointed out the other deaths surrounding Marianne from early on the gastric fever, which by the way, has the same symptoms as arsenic poisoning. And that caused the death of so many around Mary Anne, and most likely they were all poisoned. I cannot believe it took them this long though. I guess back then people died all the time. That sounds horrible. They did. That's terrible to say, but they did. Children, and, babies. People. And she just kept popping from different places. You know, it wasn't like she stayed yeah. in one little village. So altogether, it would have been 21 deaths caused by this woman. So I was keeping tally and I had 19. So I, I knew I wasn't paying attention somewhere. <laughs> she was enough. only convicted of one though. And that was of Charles Edward. But she was sentenced to death by hanging. Mm. Hmm. On March 24th, 1872, she was hung. But even that was chaotic. The execution. Oh, I'm sure was... back then they had all those people come to watch. Yep, they did. But the execution was supposedly handled by a, quote, notoriously clumsy hangman. <laughs> the, 
the trap door was not high enough to break Marianne's neck. This is horrible. So as she hung there strangling to death, the oh, executioner gosh. had to actually push down on her shoulders so that the noose would tighten around her neck. It took her about three to three and a half minutes to die. I know that's horrible. That is horrible. But this woman is downright evil. I'm sorry. She never confessed to any of the deaths. I just feel bad for the clumsy man who had to sit there and hold her down. That's horrible. That is horrible for him. Because it's like, you know, otherwise you just have to open the trap door and they break their neck. Mom, gosh. Don't have to put it like that. <laughs> okay, she took all those deaths to the grave with her. But wait, before I go, there's before even you go. Ch- are you are you leaving? <laughs> I'm leaving. Telling the paranormal story on my own. <laughs> there's a children's rhyme about Marianne, which I find extremely creepy, since she killed so many children. Ironic. Okay, I'm going to refer. To black puddings, okay? Black puddings is a black pudding out of a type of sausage made with pig's blood, okay? What? Just so that you don't stumble upon that word. Here we go. Marianne Cotton, she's dead and she's rotten. She lies in her bed with eyes open wide. Sing, sing, oh, what can I sing? Marianne Cotton is tied up with string. Where, where, up in the air, selling black puddings a penny a pair. Many Marianne Cotton, she's dead and forgotten. She lies in a grave with her bones all a rotten. Sing, sing, what can I sing? Marianne Cotton is tied up with string. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, there are no words. Is this like something children would sing as they... After she was hung, this rhyme came to be about. So it's kind of like London what Bridge is, is falling. What is wrong with human beings? I mean, what is, <laughs> what's wrong with us? That is, it's kind of like horrible. London Bridge is falling down and ring around the rosy. These are all very macabre songs when you look into the history of them. But this I one, get it. But London Bridge is falling down. You can at least paint a lovely picture of a bridge falling. A lovely picture. Uh, but this is a very vivid She's hung very up with vivid. string. This one's- her bones are rotting. She's dead and forgotten. Her bones are rotten. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's that's horrible. <laughs> this is the epitome of a mom joke. I don't even. I don't even. I I don't know what to say. That's your true crime for the week. <laughs> Girl, twenty-one people. That's horrible. I know. Children I- mostly. That's what. I'm laughing at Sick. the crime because she's a horrible, horrible person. Sick. I know. Oh, okay. So are you ready to be spooked? I am. I'm leaving my lights on because I'm going to get scared. <laughs> I my, my dog's in here with me. So you know what? My light is on. You just can't tell. <laughs> okay. Good for you. <laughs> I did. I I didn't say anything about your light. Just pointing out something to you. You know what? My light is on. (laughs) It looks dark in here. It does. Okay. Let me get situated. Okay. Okay. I am nervous. I really creeped myself out 
with this research, kind of was hating myself for picking this subject. Subject. I'm going to, uh, let's put you in a scenario, okay? Okay. And I want you to pretend you're in this scenario and I want to see how you would act. Does that kind of make sense? Go with it. Okay. Yes. We're like in an improv class. Okay. What (laughs) would you do? You are in Abilene, Texas. The year is 1996. It's late spring, early summer. It's finally warm enough for you to wear shorts. Okay. It's around 9 p.m. And you hop in your car to drive down the road to your local internet provider. Your bill is due because that's what you do did then to pay your okay. bills. Paid yes, your bill. you could send checks, but you live right down the road. So you're just going to drive there and just drop off your check. Okay? Yes, of course. You're gonna, yes, you're going to drop it in the drop box outside of the building because it's 9 p.m. The building is obviously closed. You don't have Venmo or credit cards online back then. As you're driving... You're listening to the radio. The top hits at the time, putting you in the zone here, okay? Okay. In Uh, in 96. So the number one song on the radio, I looked this up, was The the Macarena. (laughs) I remember that dance. (laughs) Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Yes. Uh, It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion. And ironic by Alanis Morissette, which is really weird since that's what I just said earlier with your story. <laughs> um, and Who Will Save Your Soul by Jewel. So just putting you in the zone here. Okay. The building you're heading to is right next to the movie theater. You park and you use the glow of the theater's marquee to write out your check. As you write your check, there's a tapping at your window. You look outside and there are two young boys, both wearing hoodies with the hoods pulled up, one taller than the other, but they both look to be between the ages of nine and 12. They're not very old. You're suspicious of the boys, but you roll your window down slightly. So what are you thinking right now? That that's stupid. I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just two. It's just two young children standing outside your your window. Just just okay. First of all, I would have written the check at home. Just saying. <laughs> Put it in an envelope. So all I'd have to do is drive up and drop it in. <laughs> okay. Well, you didn't do that. Okay. You didn't. <laughs> so now you're, you're, you didn't do that. So now you're in this situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you're thinking, you know, they maybe they just want money. Like I, maybe they, I know them. I don't know. So you roll your window down and you look out of the boys and they're not threatening. They're just these two young kids in like, just hanging out. There's just these two young kids, but you're overtaken by this incomprehensible, soul-wracking fear. You, you're just terrified. You're not exactly sure why. It's not like these boys have done anything threatening. You you can't control. You can't explain it. You're just so terrified. The taller of the two boys was the one who had tapped on your window, and he starts up a conversation with you. He had an olive complexion, brown curly hair, and he spoke really like smooth. Like he was very comfortable talking to adults. Okay. The other boy, he's shorter, pale skin, freckles, and he has pale red hair. And he stands a little bit further back from the car. He's not talking and he seems a little nervous. He's kind of like looking around a little bit. He seems a little nervous. The taller one explains to you that... 
they're trying to go see a movie, Mortal Kombat, trying to go in to see Mortal Kombat, and they forgot their money at home or their tickets at home. They would like a ride home so that they could go and get their tickets. They're not threatening. He's being very polite. He's asking, please, may we have a ride? You are terrified. There's just something. It's the gut thing. It's that gut thing. (laughs) Everything that's that's wrong. Your suspicion grows when you see on that lit up marquee, the last showing of Mortal Kombat had started about an hour ago. Mm. So their story doesn't even make sense because by the time you went to go get their ticket and drove them back, the movie would basically be over. So your brain is processing all of this. And as you're kind of processing this, the boy is saying, it wouldn't take very long. We're we're just two kids. Like, what, what's going on? Why do you seem scared? We're just two kids. We, we don't have a gun or anything. You notice as he's talking, your hand is gliding towards the lock to unlock the car. You're not even thinking about it. Your hand is going to open the door for them. You quickly pull your hand back. Then you look up at the boys again. And you notice their eyes, pitch black eyes, soulless orbs, like two great swaths of starless night. Fear engulfs you. You roll up the window and the younger boy in the back looks very confused. The older boy starts banging sharply on your window. His words are full of anger. We can't come in unless You tell us it's okay. Let us in, he says. You drive out of the parking lot as fast as you can. Yes. Yes, I would. (laughs) The end. This happened to a man named Brian Bethel in 1996 in Abilene, Texas. He is a writer. He's a reporter. Beside that, beside that, uh, put that aside. He really hesitated to write this story and share his story because so this forum called Google Groups back then was asking for paranormal stories, like real ones. They wanted real stories. Mm -hmm. And he even prefaced his story with nobody's going to believe me. This is crazy, but I have to almost like get it off my chest. And I know everybody's going to think I'm crazy and everybody's going to think I'm making this up. But he posts it. He really hesitated, but he posted it. Once he did, others, and I should phrase that differently, several others, like 40. Oh, more than 40. There's that number again. I I did that on purpose. Did it on purpose. More than 40. Believe me, more than 40. I, I, I myself read more than 40. People came forward with their own experiences of these beings known today as black-eyed kids. Yeah. Ooh. B-E-Ks is what they're kind of black-eyed kids, B-E-Ks. I've heard of of them before, but I didn't really know what they were. Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, By the way, a lot of, in that story, uh, incomprehensible soul-wracking fear, soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. Those are all quotes from his initial report of the BEKs. 
accounts of the Black Eyed Kids dates back to the 50s. Now, this is where I don't want to lose you here, but we all learned what a creepy pasta was last week. <laughs> right. Correct? Right, class? Okay. <laughs> this is not a creepy pasta. I'm going to say it again. This is not a creepy pasta. Because he'd written this forum on the internet, a lot of stories say that it was just some creepy pasta. It was just some story that somebody made up. And then it's grown into this like Bigfoot scenario kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. that is honestly, it's not the case. He wrote it into a forum. He was scared, but he just kind of wanted to share it. And because he did, other people came forward with like, you know what? <laughs> Me too. Or yeah, my grandma told me a story back in her day about this story. And I mean, there are accounts that bait, bait, date back to the 50s. He's just the first one that you can say documented came out, it. Who came out with it, right? Yeah. Now, people aren't sure exactly what these things are. I will say this too. That there are stories of black eyed kids, not just in the United States, there are stories of them in other countries as well. But it's interesting because here in the States, they're more of like this demonic being. Uh, and some people even think that they're possibly aliens. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, some people say that they have something to do with like vampires because it's very similar remember this the child said we can't come in unless you tell us it's okay so just like a vampire you they have to be invited in and that's kind of the case in all of the stories i read they have to be invited in now you said in the united states they're looked at that way are they looked at the same around the world um and other stories from other countries and i'll i think i talk about that later they're looked at as more like a ghost demon ghost like where here they're looked at as kind of like a cryptid or like a alien alien or some kind of yeah like a tangible being i see see. uh they pose as children right i mean that's the least threatening thing to a lot of us but yet these individuals that come in contact with these children are overtaken with fear and there's nothing threatening about these kids. They look normal. They talk very politely. They're very nice. And either they have their hat down or they're looking down or they have a hood pulled up. So you can't exactly see their eyes. Until they reveal them. Exactly. Typically, these children are between the ages of 6 to 16. There are some stories of some adults, adult black-eyed kids, I guess, adult black-eyed beings. Very few. And in other countries, they are more adult. But here, majority of the stories were all between the ages of 6 to 16. Do we Their know black if anybody eyes... has ever invited them in? Oh, yes. I'll get there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Their eyes are described as pools of black. Most stories that were shared were of these black-eyed kids coming up to their house, asking to come in to the house. I'll share some of these stories with you. You got the heebie-jeebies now. Just wait. (laughs) All of these stories, though, share similarities. The people are compelled to talk to these beings. It's not like they want to, I don't want to talk to you and slam the door and walk away. They are compelled to stay and hold conversation with them. They can't walk away. They are feared. They're terrified, but nothing threatening is happening. 
And these beings are talking in this like monotone voice. They're very calm and it's very monotone voice. In the Abilene newspaper article, he said, quote, until you've been on the receiving end of these terrible dark eyes filled with hate and torn from the very depths of night and time, I'm not sure you can understand the people I've spoken with who have truly seen them understand completely. So until you see them, you just, you can write this off, but it's horrifying. Okay. So I read this book. <laughs> it's called The Chilling True Terror of the Black-Eyed Kids. Oh my and gosh. It is terrifying. Uh, the author is uh, G. Michael Vasey. He writes a lot of paranormal books and studies into all of this kind of stuff. He runs a website. It's called My Haunted Life 2. People can submit their personal stories and they can kind of connect on different things. So people have connected, obviously, with their experiences with the Black Eyed Kids. And he's put this in his research into the Black Eyed Kids, into this book. Yeah, the cover is terrifying. (laughs) If you want to be scared, go for it. Read it. It, it's it's terrifying um okay so g michael vassy encompasses all things spooky paranormal writing several books and running the website like i said my haunted life too where people can submit their haunted stories where someone submitted a story that left him feeling very uneasy and it really scared him with him being into all the paranormal stuff it's really hard to scare him scare him sure Um, But this submission did, quote, I was tingling with a nauseating mixture of fear and fascination reading the submission. And he writes this in the book, and I'm just going to read it from the book. Well, I posted the story and traffic to the website grew tenfold overnight. It seems I wasn't the only one creeped out by the story as it went viral on social media, shared and shared again. Then, much to my amazement, story after story started to flood in about BEK and the Black-Eyed People. Many of these encounter experiences followed a well-worn format very similar to the first submission. Here is the first submission. A few months ago, I visited my mother in Amarillo. She lives in a nice area that has a good reputation. I was expecting to have a nice vacation and spend some quality time with her as she is getting older. We spent the afternoon together, and that evening she went to bed. I wasn't tired, so I decided to watch some TV and catch up with my friends on Facebook. About an hour later, there was a knock on the door. I was a little taken aback at this area was normally dead after 10. I went to the kitchen to try and look out to see who was at the door. The knocking was persistent. It wasn't like the average elder visit where a knock would be followed by silence. This was a constant tap, tap, tap. I was starting to get tired of this idiot knocking on the door, so I went to the porch and opened the door. Two teenagers stood there. One looked around 14, the other around 16. I instantly wondered if they were at the wrong house, as I was the only person under 30 in my family. There was no possible reason for these kids to be here. They said nothing, so I asked them what they wanted. The older one told me that he was sorry for waking me up, but wanted to come in and use the phone. He explained that they had been left in the area by their parents and needed to call someone. As he finished speaking, he just stared at me. When I saw his eyes, I couldn't tear myself away. They were completely black, just black. I couldn't break away from his gaze. 
I had a huge urge to just stand back and let them in. As we stood there, staring at each other, he started talking again. This time he wasn't asking. He was demanding that I let him in. The facade was gone. Whatever he wanted would only, quote, take a few moments, unquote. And then they would leave. He wanted me to let him in and help him. I broke my eyes away and realized that I was stepping backwards. I hurriedly told them to get off the porch and find help elsewhere. I closed the door with them still standing there and headed towards the phone. I called the police and told them that there were a couple of kids in the area who seemed to be up to no good. They told me later that they did a thorough check, but didn't find anything. No one else in the area had seen them either. My mother hadn't even heard them or the knocking. When I told her about it, she just dismissed it as the youth of today with poor manners. She didn't see their eyes. I felt terrified, and I felt at odds with their will. I think they meant to do me harm. Has anyone else had any experience with black-eyed kids? Submitted by Deanna M. Vassy Vassy investigated into these stories. He found, as I mentioned before, they followed the same terrifying pattern. It was late at night, a knock at the door, two children, kids. Uh, The person who answered the door is always totally gripped with fear, although the kids don't come off as threatening. There's just something that scares them. It's always two children? Always two. Wow. They want to run, but they can't. The kids don't show emotion. Uh, And then their eyes dark, horrifying eyes, totally black, no iris, nothing, just black. Another submission was from an elderly man named Roy, and he was awoken to tapping on his windows around 3 a.m. He went to the door to find two young men who asked to come in and use Roy's telegraph, is what they said. So it's like they aren't human. It's like they're posing as human, with and they the got, manners they got it mixed up on that one yeah and they like they got the time wrong or just something but they said can we please use your telegraph it's weird makes you wonder how long these creatures have been around no this is just an excerpt from somebody's submission and they said it was at this point when i noticed that i could not drag my eyes away from theirs i felt like i was being sucked in it was horrendous as though my life were being dragged from my body, screaming. They just stood there with their mouths closed, eyes staring into mine, and no emotion at all. So it's like they can read your mind or control you because there's a lot of stories of like that, like Brian's story where he was, his hand was going towards the lock to unlock right. it and let them in, or the woman who was starting to step back to let them in, mm-hmm. even though she was scared. It's almost like they have some kind of a, control or something and they do it by looking and you i mean it it seems like as soon as you break contact with looking at them or whatever then you break that that strength they have on you yeah and they're not like they're emotionless so it's like they're hypnotizing them almost just in some way i don't know it's so scary to me it's like the snake in jungle book Look into my eyes. Trust in me. <laughs> Just in me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I have more. 
Here is another one from a lady in Odessa. And if you've noticed, a lot of these submissions are from Texas. Texas. I was going to say that. Yeah. One evening, I was sitting in my bedroom reading a book. It must have been around 1 a.m. and was a Friday night. My husband worked nights, so I usually tried to stay up for him. I heard a knocking. It wasn't a normal knock. It was a slow, constant one. That right there would just put me off. (laughs) Tap, tap, tap. (laughs) I got up out of bed to see what it was. I looked out of the window and to my surprise saw two young children. I opened the window and asked them what they wanted at this time of night. And they replied by saying simply, let us in. (laughs) Well, that's directed to the point. right? Now, I didn't recognize these children at all. They weren't the kids from next door. (laughs) They were dressed in black clothes and looked dirty. (laughs) I did wonder if they were runaways. And it did cross my mind to call the sheriff. Uh, You think? I would have the moment (laughs) tapping started at my window. I said no and asked what for. And all I got back from them was, quote, we want to use your bathroom. (laughs) I was quite shocked. The children of about, I'd say, 10 years old wanted to use a stranger's bathroom at this time of night. So I told them no. I closed the window, looked at them through the glass. And to my surprise, I glanced at their eyes. And I have never, ever seen eyes like them. They were black completely black i got the feeling of evil and unhappiness it surrounded me it was horrible the knocking continued for two hours oh my gosh a slow but rhythmic knocking that reached all around the house why didn't you call the police i picked up the phone several times but the phone line was dead dead I didn't dare look outside again. When my husband arrived home, he said that he didn't see anything outside. I told him about the phone and he checked it. It was live. I haven't seen the kids since. (laughs) Thank goodness. So it's like they find their intended victim and then anybody around them doesn't see it's it. not their intended victim doesn't see it hear it anything because like this isn't the only story i read where there was like loud knocking like banging all over and like neighbors didn't hear the banging not like the spouse was asleep and didn't hear any knocking so it's only like that person that's the intended target is the Almost only like one it's banging in their head it's knocking in their head you know oh, oh. This is so scary. Okay. There are stories of them knocking on doors of men in army bunks on military bases. So how, how you know, kids aren't there, like on training bases where there's not families. Mm-hmm. This army guy wrote in and how this, they were at the bunks. There are even stories of kids, and I'm so sorry, sorry. Of children knocking on sliding glass doors, like on balconies and like apartment complexes. Like how did they get there? And they just knock and they, can we come in? How did they get there? (laughs) This is my. No wonder the knocking on your door freaked you out. Yeah. Now you get the beginning of the podcast where it was like, there's something at the door. It was (laughs) stupid Annabelle. My stupid dog. Okay, this is my favorite one. 
The incident took place about seven or eight years ago. I have been reading many of the accounts on your website and wanted to share my story. It was a little different to the average account I have read and may be useful for someone. I had just moved to Las Vegas with my wife of 20 years. We were small town folk from the Midwest. We moved cross country. Being naive and new to city living, I habitually answered the door without a second thought. I had never even heard of a black-eyed kid until this incident. The first thing that should have tipped me off to the strangeness of the situation was the fact that someone was knocking at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> the second thing that should have dawned on me is this kid had to reach over a rather tall patio gate to unlatch and open it, which I tried to do later and couldn't manage. I'm not sure how he managed to get into my yard. The knock at the door was startling. My wife and I were getting ready for work, a normal routine. That sucks. You have to get up that early. That early. <laughs> the, moment, the moment I opened the door, I was overtaken with an inexplicable sense of fear. Literally, I went from being relaxed. How could you be relaxed getting ready for work? That's nice. Uh, to shaking like a leaf. To this day, I can picture him, a teenager. Now, in this story, there's only one. A teenager around five feet, average build, knee-length black leather coat, short black hair and sunglasses, eating an apple, standing on the other side of my door. He was very polite and asked if he could come in and warm up. I said no, closed the door and slid the security chain into place. A moment later, another knock. I opened the now chained door, and before I could speak, he asked he asked again if he could come in and warm up. Aren't they in Vegas? Isn't it warm? And he has a coat on and his sunglasses at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I again, I said no again and attempted to close the door. Before the door could shut, he put his hand out, stopped the door on its hinges. He looked directly into my eyes, still wearing his sunglasses, and said, can I at least get some ketchup for my apple? <laughs> <laughs> There's so Not many a... red flags in this story. <laughs> By the way, remember, poison apple cocktail. Anyway. Uh, Not a chance, I replied. My wife is currently calling the police. He smiled and just said, no, you won't be calling anybody. At that moment, I pushed the door closed, locked it, and called out to my wife. She thought I had been talking to myself. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't even hear him talk. I pulled the curtains back to look out the window next to the door. He wasn't there. There was no trace of him. I go out on the patio and check the gate, but it still latched from the inside. My wife didn't believe me until that evening when she returned home and saw a half-eaten apple. <gasps> on the top step outside of our house that's the freakiest bit the damn half-eaten apple hadn't been there when i checked the yard yet a few hours later it was sitting on my step waiting for us to return home I, I have no words ketchup <laughs> ketchup for my apple can i use your telegraph one gets me every time <laughs> oh okay so you had asked what happens if you let them in yes and a lot of people don't let them in it's a good thing too why would they <laughs> 
uh, in one widely reported instance, and this is, I'm reading from the book, uh, the BEK were allowed into the home and with disastrous consequences. The story of the encounter follows the now all too familiar, horrifying sequence of an unexpected knock at the door at 2 a.m. Two small children stood there and the man answering the door inexplicably was totally unnerved by them. Thinking the kids had, had got lost or perhaps there had been an accident, he let the kids inside and his wife made cocoa for them. He kept asking them what had happened and they kept repeating, not to worry as our parents will be here soon. So the wife in this instance saw the children. They both, the man and the woman, saw the children and these children are, don't worry, our parents will be here soon. How do your parents know where you are? The scared and concerned couple started to notice that their pets were behaving strangely. The husband began also to feel dizzy and strange as he sat with the children. When the woman of the house returned to the cocoa, she almost dropped it when they looked at her and she saw that their eyes were completely black. At that point, the kids asked to use the bathroom and husband and wife started to discuss the scene. His nose started bleeding profusely. Then, just as inexplicably, the power went out and they found themselves in darkness. They stood in the darkness in total fear until suddenly the kids left abruptly, saying that their parents had arrived, leaving the front door wide open. Rude. Were you raised in a barn? Where were you raised? What are you? Outside, the woman could see a car idling on the street. Two tall, dark-suited adults were driving there in the car. Uh, so... After that, nothing was the same. The cats disappeared. The pet bird died of a hemorrhage in a pool of blood in its cage. The husband's nosebleeds became progressively worse, and he was diagnosed with skin cancer. Meanwhile, the wife also began to suffer dizzy spells and nosebleeds. Oh. Had it be? Had it been? Had it be? Had it be from the Black Eyed Kids? Had it be? Wow. The end. End. You know what I keep thinking of? And I know they were Black Eyed those kids that were walking out of the cornfield i thought i thought about that the whole time i was researching this i didn't see their eyes they could have been black eyed kids okay but there was more than two of them our listeners were like what in god's name are you talking about okay i had (laughs) to have been 10 maybe younger and mom liked to take these drives with us where were we heading we're heading we just we're heading to uh eureka springs Sometimes, though, we would just get in the car and drive. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, but this is Eureka Springs. So we were driving through this, like, super, super small town. Like, I mean, one building in this town. Like, it was, like, super, super small town. Well, we had gotten off the interstate. Um, I needed gas. So I pulled off the interstate. Then I needed to find directions. And you guys were sitting in the back. And I pulled over into this church churchyard it was a churchyard but it was like very very old it was an old old church and the the where i parked was all dirt and i was looking at the map were you guys outside like a one-room schoolhouse kind of a church like this thing was old right and And you're surrounded by fields yeah were you outside katie and i were outside stretching your legs Yeah. And all of a sudden I look, I'm reading the map in the front seat and I look up and I see these children, varying ages. And there's maybe five of them creeping, creeping around walking church, walking very slowly, very slowly. And I just got 
so filled with fear of these children. I, I was like, just get remember, in the car, get in the car, get that's in the car. all I get remember. You guys, and I didn't I, even give you a chance to buckle up. We were no. out of there. And I was I like, just, what is going on? And I only saw them when we were leaving. And they were still just slowly walking towards. <laughs> Mom, I thought about that as I was researching this. I, I, I don't when know. You, when you first mentioned it, when you first started talking about the children in the by the theater, I was like, Oh God, that reminds me of when those children came from behind the schoolhouse. And I just remember mom being like, oh my gosh, it's the children of the corn. It's the children of the corn. <laughs> I had no idea what that was. It was like so, Stephen King. Oh my God. It's first the birds. Now we got children of the corn. This is, uh, we are definitely hitting spooky season. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What if, Beth? What if? Yeah, but you both, we both saw I mean, it, so couldn't have been. Katie, hello. Do you remember this? <laughs> uh, terrifying. But just in general, just kids coming to your door. Oh, well, that's like ghost children or spirit children are like the most horrific, <laughs> are the most horrific things. What's wrong? I When I was reading stories, though, of them like showing up on balconies, that's when I was just like, holy cow, that is so scary. I don't I don't know what to tell you, honey. Just wanna light my pumpkin spice latte candle and go watch an episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and get this out of my head. <laughs> I am so just spooked. I heard this story of the black eyed kids on a podcast years ago and it really spooked me like really spooked me out and then when we started this podcast I was like you know I should cover it one time but I was like oh, I just don't know if I could dive into that because it's just gonna scare me and I just should have gone with my damn gut on that one <laughs> isn't no, it interesting though how the human mind you know that gut that instinct that that prehistoric caveman instinct is still within us and we're just like something this is right this is wrong this is wrong this is you know and it's like close the door run 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 you know this so it's like okay why are there two and the one that's not doing the talking brian calls the one the spokesman is the one who talks okay. and then there's the second one and it's like that one is he learning how to do this you know, oh. or, and then why are they so adamant? You have to let us in. You have to let us in. It's like, or else, like, do you have to answer to somebody? And a lot of, there's a lot of people that think that they are aliens and they're taking form as human, like the telegraph or ketchup on their apple, like just things that just aren't quite right. But you know, when you're trying to learn a language and there's the slang and just the different dialects. There's some so glitches. There's some yeah. glitches going on. Yeah. And just the fact that they have that mind control almost. And then you are just so overtaken by fear. And then, so they've said like a lot of people have described them almost looking with their eyes being so black. It's like gray, the grays, you know, grays are right. Like alien mm -hmm. aliens. Um, 
So they're saying like grays are black eyed kids as adults. Well, maybe I'll cover grays sometime. They're aliens essentially, or it's just, I'm just wondering if they are some extraterrestrial being that takes the form of, but then why do they need to come in? Like that one story where they got in, like they didn't do anything. They went to the bathroom and then they sat there and then they left. Yeah, but didn't they? People are tormented. We don't know what they did though. We don't know because I mean, the cats ran away, the canary died and the people suffered horrible illnesses. Yeah. The woman was quoted as saying that this is the worst health she's ever been in ever since. I just so scary. So did they take a part of their, their body? Did they take a part of their soul? Did they take a part of their, you know, (sighs) well, just don't let them in. Lock your doors. And this is why I never answer the door. I never answer our door. If I, if you don't tell me that you're coming over, I'm, you're just going to stand out there forever and ever. And I'm going to check my, can you imagine checking your ring? Ring and finding two little And they're kids. standing there. Oh my God. And then they turn around towards your ring and they have. And they're just looking at your ring and they have black eyes. Oh my gosh. Let us in that is so scary <laughs> I, can't, I can't even <laughs> i anytime a child comes to my door now even if i think i recognize them let me see your eyes <laughs> okay you're good come on in <laughs> you know one of these I'll days you, gonna if, get... two, if two little kids came up to my car with hoodies on i'd be like excuse me gentlemen but can you please take those hoodies off <laughs> it's just I want to see your face. That is so disrespectful. (laughs) You would. (laughs) Oh, Oh, hey. Next week, we got our Halloween. Our next episode will be our Halloween episode. And we're so excited for it. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, so you want to hear something kind of funny? Um. I have like a list of cocktails here. Uh, most of these, and this one was from Cosmopolitan again. They had a really cool website of like a list of different yeah. cocktails. And I was like, oh, what am I in the mood for? And I just randomly picked this one. But how perfect did it did it end up working out? Poisoned mm-hmm. apple. I mean, come on. <laughs> the ketchup apple. Need a little ketchup in here. A little tomato. Dress it right up. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> no. Obi, stop. <sighs> well, clearly it's time for bed. Mr. <laughs> Obi is like, Mom, I'm tired. I still have to go next door and check on the cats in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even bring Obi because he can't come inside the place. So, And it's pitch dark out there now. <laughs> have Tom go with you. Uh, he's probably in bed pull him out of bed and say i'm afraid of children <laughs> come with me next door check on the ne- children check. come with me next door to check on their cats because i'm afraid of kids Please. <laughs> can you imagine now- i'm in a neighbor's house and these you know children- if these beings were smart they would <laughs> come around on halloween i know just saying now nobody's gonna answer their door for trick or treating. Everybody's gonna pull a Tom. 
if you guys all remember from last year, I just put the bucket on the porch <laughs> and lock the door. <laughs> Everybody just pull a Tom, pour it in a bucket. <laughs> put it outside the door. I'm gonna be whoever gets it gets it. Who cares? <laughs> Every costume that comes to the door. Let me see your eyes. Okay, here. Here's a twist. What if they dress like black-eyed children? Then their parents are stupid. Their parents are mean. That's horrifying. I'd rather them dress as Michael Myers or the Scream character or something. I bet they'll have costumes out, black-eyed children costumes. These stories have been around forever. They would just have to dress like regular kids and just make their eyes black. And then you'd never know. Trick or treat. Can I come in? I use your bathroom. That's the thing. You can't let uh, any of them in. You can, you know, that's what you have to just stop and regain your sense of control and say, no, <laughs> you get your ketchup at Hardee's. <laughs> Hardee's. Hardee's? That's the first place you think of? Hardee's? On that note, for resources of this episode, please check out mom's website that she works so hard on, killerhangoverpodcast.com. <laughs> you know, you want to, if you want to give mom some parties money, then join our Patreon. It's five dollars a month. Mom can go get herself some ketchup. ketchup. <laughs> a link to all of our social media website and everything's in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening. This was a good one, Mom. <laughs> Cheers, Mama. Wait, I gotta get my cup. <laughs> Cheers. I love you, kid.